This podcast has been deemed explicit, which is an SAT word for naughty. I'm Scott Galloway, and you're listening to 1K, the 1,000-second podcast. Every podcast is entertainment-focused and interview-driven. At the end of that time, we're done. 1K is affiliated with the 100 Words Film Festival and powered by Ortho Carolina. Let's put 1,000 seconds on the clock. Our guest today is the writer, director, and actress of the award-winning film Blame. She's also directed the film short Till Dark. She's appeared in over 20 films and television projects, and she's done all of this despite being only 23 years of age. She is Quinn Shepard. Quinn, welcome. Hi. I did not know it was 20. That's crazy. <laughs> it's, I think it's like 21 or 22. I did a little IMDb search before we called you. That's amazing. You know more about me than I do, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's because you're so busy, you can't stop and look back. <laughs> um, so let me let me just tell you, when our producer told me that we had booked you, I looked you up, and the first thing I saw was a news story, and it started off with you walking down a New York City street, and then you turned left, and you walked through the entrance to the Tribeca Film Festival, and I thought to myself, that is a very appropriate opening shot, because there's not a lot of 23-year-olds that are walking in to the Tribeca Film Festival with films that they're starring in, directing, and writing. How did this come to be? How did you How did you do it? Oh, my gosh. Well, it, I mean, it was a really kind of just an insane, crazy story. I, you know, I have been acting my entire life. Um, my mom got me into acting when I was really young. She coached me and she guided me through the kind of madness of the industry. And um, when I was 15, I started working on the script for Blame after I did um, a production of The Crucible at a local playhouse. Okay. And I was really kind of obsessed with the play and obsessed with playing the character. And more than that, I kind of saw the way that doing the play had an effect on my actual life, like the way that I saw myself, my own coming of age. And uh, that was really fascinating to me. So it ended up being the catalyst for the idea for the film, which is a modern day parable to the crucible set in the high school. There was years of submitting it places, trying to get grants, trying to get it made, trying to get producers attached. And there'd be a lot of maybes and a lot of people who came on and then ended up pulling out for bigger projects. And it ended up just being me and my mom who produced it together because that was sort of the only way it was ever going to get made. And it's like a real film out in the world. It's a real film out in the world and it's an award-winning film and congrats to you. And I have to ask you this one question. You had a financier in place who kind of ghosted on you and you had to turn in your college fund money to finish the film. Is that true? Oh, oh, there's no other investor on the film besides me and my parents and you know for those listening my dad uh, is an automotive teacher you know we're not a rich family i had done luckily a year on a tv show and i'd saved everything that i'd made and my my dad like took on a, a third sort of side job to try to help raise a little bit of money my parents put some money into the film you know we had we had no plans of self-financing a film right um but when the investor goes to us it was actually during the shoot Oh. So everything was already happening. And, you know, there's thousands and thousands of dollars on rentals and plane tickets and everything like already happening. It was all commenced like union. We had deals with all the actors, signed contracts. And there's really very few ways out of that situation. Right, right. And it, it just ended up being the, I feel, the best investment that I could have ever possibly made in my future. Because what I got out of it was far more educational and lucrative than actually going to college would have been, I feel. Right, right. Well, and so just to reiterate, so what you're saying is one week into filming, your main investor disappeared. 
we had been given a date for a wire transfer and then it got pushed due to like legal complications he was claiming and then he just disappeared and so when the date came and went like we just never we've never to this day like ever gotten some sort of contact or explanation or anything (laughs) well how many more weeks was it about a three or four week shoot how how many shoot days was the was the film it was a 19 day shoot okay okay. um which i believe was three weeks two six day weeks and a seven day week for chris's schedule because he only had seven days so chris is chris messina that's a big name how do you get chris messina for your first film so I wrote him a letter, kind of a love letter, explaining why he was the only actor for the role. And uh, I got, managed to get his wife's email from like a friend of a friend. And I was like, okay, I'm never going to hear back from this ever. And I and I sent it. And under a week, I, I got an email from, from him and he wanted to get on the phone with me. I had sent like the script and my first short film after talking to me for like two hours. He was like, I would love to try to make this work um, because I really want to be supportive of really small films like this where I can just be creative and be free and work with someone who also wants that. I was like, okay, wow. you're taking a really big leap of faith here. The, the other the other group that, that jumped out to me when I saw the film was you had a really talented ensemble of essentially your peers. And so my question for you is, you got great performances out of them. In fact, Nadia Alexander won Best Actress at Tribeca. What was it mm-hmm. like for you to direct your peers? And, and then I guess the question would also be, what were your peers saying back to you being directed by someone who was their own age. Everybody was very professional, very prepared, and took the shoot very seriously. I'm a bit of a control freak as a director with most aspects, like Mm -hmm. with art design and with cinematography and with music, and everything has to be perfect. But I think that part of being a good director for actors is releasing all of your perfectionism and just focusing on listening and honesty with your actors mm. because like they should be guiding the character at some point. And I'd sort of treat every scene that we had written as a template going in and say, Hey, like this is just a version of what this scene can be. But I want to see what would you say? How would you approach this topic? It's amazing that you had the, I don't know, the, the, the savvy to know that that's how it would work. I think if I could go back, my biggest thing would have just been giving my, like having a little bit more time would have been great. Right. And I think that, you're directing, acting, producing simultaneously. Right. You're just completely like ripped in three. And I think going back, it would have been so nice to have, I think, more moments with people I was working with, like moments where I could express more gratitude and like love and encouragement to like my crew, to my mom, to my actors for what they were doing and what they were sacrificing for the film. That's what I'm going to do differently going forward, especially my mom, because like she really like kind of gave up her life for years for this. And I just like, I don't know. I want her to know how much I appreciate it. Well, I would imagine you can get to her and you need to do that soon. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So you are a young director. You are a young female director, and that is a very underrepresented group of filmmakers. Now it's great because we're seeing an expansion of women's voices making movies. And I think we're also preparing for an era where we're accepting that women don't just have to make quote-unquote, women's stories, I tend to make very feminine work because that's my style, but women can direct action movies and women can direct war thrillers and they can direct any kind of a movie that a man can because no one's stopping men from directing, like, rom-coms or directing, you know, love stories just because they're, oh, sorry, this is like a women's film. But I think that hearing different voices and different stories, you know, it expands our worldview because for so long we've only been really exposed to 
a very specific version of the world. And now we're seeing different versions. Right. So what directors, what voices influence you? I mean, so many. I think Andrew Arnold is a really big influence because I love that she's so distinctive. And even though we have pretty different styles from each other, I think that it's amazing how, like, every time you see a movie by her, it feels like, oh, you can feel that it's an Andrew Arnold film. You understand, like, how she went through casting and how she went through developing with those actors. But I'm also really influenced by older classic cinema. You know, I really love movies like old Winona Ryder films, Heather's Girl Interrupted, you know, I was always big American Beauty fans. So a mixture of like more classic cinema and then more modern films. Gotcha. Well, what I want to do, I want to play a little clip from Blame and then talk about it just a little bit. Okay. 500 seconds. He doesn't know, does he? You want to tell him together? Sybil? I said... Shut up. What the fuck, psycho bitch? Get away from me. Hey, what's going on in here? So in that clip, we got a chance to see Nadia Alexander's work as Melissa, who is your arch rival in the film. Tell me a little bit more about what it was like to work with her and how you were able to to change that character. When we were going out and, and casting, I had like a very, very, very set pretty stereotypical version of like who I wanted the bitchy mean girl to be in my head. And I very much wanted like a like really blonde cheerleader type, like really bitchy, like, you know, classic mean girl. <laughs> we did an improv with all the final four that are in that like basement. There's a big basement party scene in the movie. Right, right. And um, we did an improv version of that scene where the two girls are flirting with the two guys and they put on hip hop music and they're dancing for them and, and being all kind of high school seductive. And we did that and I brought music and uh, Nadia went right up to Owen Campbell, who was one of the other actors, and like got in his lap and was like laying on him and playing with his hair. And I was like, oh my God, I was just so amazed because she came in, she's like this really funny, like tomboy, she's totally not Melissa. And I was just, like, my jaw dropped because I was like, oh my God, she's so ballsy. She just met this guy and she's like now like laying on his lap. I think that really sealed the deal because I was like, well, you stole the show. And that's exactly what Melissa's supposed to do. Well, the, the movie deals a lot with bullying and, and 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 does so I thought very realistically is is bullying something that you experienced as a high schooler yeah um yeah I had a really bad um high school experience personally uh I don't think it was necessarily personal as much as it was just the fact that I was I was an actor I was very different I really did like take characters or TV shows that I got obsessed with and I would fully embody for like months at a time. I mean, I went through like a Japanese street fashion phase when I was like 13 and I was wearing like Harajuku, like clothes to school, like <laughs> crazy. And I don't think like anyone knew how to deal with me because of that. They were like, she's so crazy. And, you know, on top of that, I had this weird reputation of like, I did this big Warner Brothers. It wasn't really that big, but it, it was, it was big. I mean, it was like in every theater, but I did this um, Warner Brothers kids movie when I was 11. And like, you know, everyone at my school knew about it. And then after that, everyone knew of me already before I met anyone. So I kept thinking at some point I would sort of shed that reputation. I, I was 11. But when I started high school, it was like, 
every day when I walked down the hallway, people would like make fun of like, oh, like, let me get your autograph. Oh, you know, and call me a snob and call me a bitch and call me stuck up. And there's all these rumors about me being like a millionaire. Like, it was just crazy. This idea that like you do one movie as a kid and now you're a millionaire and you're like a snob and you don't want to talk to anybody. So I had no friends. Like I really had a hard time making friends because everyone pre-hated me like they all assumed that I was going to be shitty and so yeah it was just a real struggle and in that way I kind of felt like I took a lot of that and put that into my film in the sense that you can have a character who has a lot of rumors around her and you don't really know in the sense like which of them are true some people take it at face value like oh this girl's been in a record and some people take it as that's just a rumor which is more what I intended as the filmmaker um, and then you just end up feeling very like mysterious to everybody. Yeah. Well, and so w- was it cathartic or crazy or what was it for you to then film this movie that had a lot of connections to your real high school experience at your real high school? Didn't you film that at the high school that you attended? Yeah. Yeah. I filmed that at my old high school. It was very cathartic. I'm really glad I did it because I used to experience, I graduated early, so I only went to high school for three years. Um, and I used to experience like tremendous anxiety anytime I went back or went near the high school. And I would feel like paralyzed because I was so self-conscious. Um, just about anyone seeing me or being around me, just like anything, I hated it. And when I went back, I mean, there's nothing really more attention drawing than being like, I'm going to shoot an entire feature film at this school. <laughs> right. So I had to really like face those fears and, and go back. But, you know, it was actually very empowering because when I did go back, I had my huge crew and my extras and my like grip trucks and my camera and everything. And it felt like I was sort of running the place there and it was very like ego stroking for me and and feeling like I was able to reclaim something. 200 seconds. It made my association with that high school now be the amazing experience I had shooting and the amazing experience of all the staff, like just loving and supporting the film and throwing a big screening there and a party and like helping out with the cleanup and everything as opposed to like the bullying that I experienced when I was in high school. This film Blame, this was your first feature film that you directed. You had previously directed a short, is that right? I directed a short film called Till Dark with um, Natalia Dyer, who's now on Stranger Things, is in it, along with uh, Ian Cluddy from Preacher. Um, it's, a, it's a little short film about three friends hanging out on Halloween night and going through like a little tradition of pranking that they do every year, where the two boys plan a prank against the girl. And... Um, one of the boys is kind of secretly in love with her and doesn't realize that she's having a relationship with the other one. So things sort of emotionally escalate and devolve as the night goes on and they kind of get drunk and things get out of hand. <laughs> Happy Halloween, oh. Lucy! <laughs> oh my God. You guys are assholes! Don't laugh, you're both fucking evil! Still got him, man. Do you think it's beneficial for directors to have a short before they do their first feature? Yes, 100%. I don't think it has to be a short version of the feature. I think a lot of people do that. Mm-hmm. A short is supposed to be like a short story. It's supposed to be a, a mini film. It's not really supposed to be like, I wish this was a full-length film. 100 seconds. So I tried to approach with mine like a story that really could be told in 15 minutes. 
One of the great things I would imagine about being 23 is that you've got the world in front of you. Where do you hope to go? I want to keep sharing stories that feel really important to me and giving opportunities and openings for voices that feel like they haven't been heard yet in the media or they haven't been heard enough. Um, I don't really know where I'm going to end up necessarily, and I think that's okay. I think sure. there's too much pressure on people to know exactly what they're going to do. And for me, it's like each year I'm just trying to listen to myself, listen to where I want to be creatively and follow that, and I'll see where it takes me. 60 seconds. All right, Quinn, so we're coming down the stretch. This is what we like to refer to as the speed round. Are you ready? I'm ready. You've written, directed, acted, edited, and produced. What role in production have you not done that you'd like to give a try? Uh, special effects makeup. I, it's like a hobby. What existing film would benefit the most if it had been helmed by a female director? Um, Blue is enormous color for many reasons. Pick the playwright, Tennessee Williams or Arthur Miller? Tennessee Williams, uh, better female character. 30 seconds. That's a great insight. What's the best film that you've seen in the last five years? Thelma. What's the biggest thing you've learned from directing your first feature film? Be nice to everybody. <laughs> For someone who's never seen a Miyazaki film, where should they start? Spirited Away. What modern high school movie deserves a Ten colonial seconds. Massachusetts adaptation? Oh, God. <laughs> That's so hard. Um, Carrie? I don't know. There's like witch stuff in that. Thanks for listening to 1K, powered by Ortho Carolina. If you like our show, please share it with a friend, leave us a review, and subscribe. Special thanks to producer Jordan Snyder, music by Jason Hausman. I'm your host, Scott Galloway. We'll be back in your feed with a new episode next week that's just 604,800 seconds away.